When you're in the market for a new car, you want a vehicle that conquers your daily commute, easily handles the elements, and looks great too. You need the reliability of a Toyota and the confidence that your investment will last. Why? Because after all the carpools, shopping trips, and weekends out, you want a car that still has plenty of miles left in it and holds its value for a great trade-in deal. That's where Toyota leads the pack as the number one resale value brand for 2024, according to Kelly Blue Book's KBB.com. So check out the all-new, fully redesigned 2025 Camry or test drive a stylish and affordable Corolla sedan or hatchback. And remember, when you choose Toyota, you're not just buying a car for today, you're investing in trade-in value for tomorrow. Visit buyatoyota.com, the official website for deals, for more. Vehicles projected resale value is specific to the 2024 model year. For more information, visit kellybluebookskbb.com. Kelly Blue Book is a registered trademark of Kelly Blue Book Company, Incorporated. Toyota, let's go places. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast about how to be happier, healthier, more productive, and more creative, starting right now. This week we'll talk about why you should do something scary, and I'm going to ask Elizabeth several etiquette questions related to cell phone use. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and with me is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft. And Elizabeth, I think you just naturally have good manners, so I'm going to fire some questions at you about manners. That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A. And Gretchen, I do have to remind you, I'm the one who's thank you note challenged. <laughs> So I don't know how good my manners are, but I will try. Okay. I'll write the thank you notes and you'll handle the cell phone. (laughs) Well, Gretch, before we dive in, um, we have to remind everyone that that it's very exciting that it's your 10th anniversary of The Happiness Project. Yeah, the book has hit the shelves. It's very exciting. And it's really sweet. Jamie, my husband, has been traveling a lot. And every time he sees it in an airport bookstore, he takes a picture and sends it to Uh me. So it's like, here it is in Denver. (laughs) It's like, here it is in LaGuardia. Um, So it's been very nice to see it kind of popping up all over the country. I can see it uh, in my feed. So that's been nice. Yeah. And I got my copy and I enjoyed reading the updates on everyone, even though, of course, I know what everyone's doing. I still enjoyed reading about um, what was happening to everyone, including myself. Right. Including yourself. Um, And Elizabeth, you have some good news too, some exciting news. Yes. We're almost done shooting the fix. We're done with the scripts, and now we're shooting the last episode. Now tell everybody, uh, who, if they don't know their Hollywood lingo, like explain a little bit what that means. Well, shooting is when you're actually filming the show. So that's, um, and then we'll still be working on it because we'll edit the show after we're done shooting. But that means all the actors, you know, are performing the scenes and we're filming it. 
And that's happening now. And last week, right in the nick of time, we finished writing this <laughs> last script. So, yeah, we're almost done with the whole season, and we're incredibly excited about it. We can't wait for everyone to see it, and I wish I could announce our premiere date, but we don't know it yet. But it'll be sometime in the spring, winter, spring of uh, 2019. Yeah, and if you want to hear more about this process, which I just find fascinating, listen to Happier in Hollywood, because there Sarah and Elizabeth get... Far more yes. into like the nuts and bolts of it, um, yes, what's happening on the fix. Um, and Elizabeth, this week our Try This at Home tip is to do something scary. And for the most part, this means literally scary, not just like, oh, I'm scared to do that, but like, oh my gosh, I'm really actually frightened. This is so not me. Why <laughs> is this a good idea? Well, this is one of the things that the research suggests. So um, mm. there was recently a really fascinating article about this research by Elizabeth Bernstein in the Wall Street Journal. I'll post a link to it in the show notes, as always. Um, and it's called Using Fear to Break Out of a Funk. And she's talking about research there, which is that when we do something scary, it really boosts our mood. And th what the research looked at is people who went through what is called an extreme haunted house. Ugh. This is when it's not just scary things, but like you are grabbed, you get mild electrical shock, you're stuffed in a coffin. And what they find is that afterward, people feel less stressed, they feel less tired. They often even feel euphoric after having gone mm. through an experience like this. And why do they feel this way? Hormones or what? Well, yeah, it has to do with what is happening in our body when we have the fight or flight impulse. And um, what it seems to be is that while the physical response lasts a few hours, the memory of doing it gives you sort of an ongoing boost if you do put yourself through an experience like this. So this would be like jumping out of a plane or is that more of an adrenaline rush and they're actually talking about, like, watch a scary movie. Not watch a scary movie so much, more like jumping out of a plane. In the article, Elizabeth Bernstein uses the example of, I guess she's kind of a scaredy cat, and nevertheless she went scuba diving in, like, the coldest water in the world. Mm. And so that was, like, a very scary thing. You tend to get the best benefit when it's something that makes you feel a loss of control, but that also if it involves some kind of skill that that's mm. where you're going to get the biggest kind of feeling of like, I did it, I made it. So it's something like mountain climbing, you know, mm. where there is this fear, there is this element of lack of control, and then there is some aspect where you are using skills. Gretch, would you do this? Would you do something scary like this? <laughs> okay, so... As we recommend it to others? <laughs> yeah, I know. Are we getting it? Like, okay, so here's an example. I probably would not do this knowingly, <laughs> but I kind uh -huh. of accidentally did it. So... Elizabeth, you know, every year we go back to Kansas City for a week. And so Elizabeth, so dad was like, oh, there's this new thing in Swope Park called Go Ape Adventure. And what we thought was that it was like a, a big zip line. But what mm -hmm. it turned out, we went there and it turned out it was more like a ropes course, like a two to three mm -hmm. hour ropes course where you're like up in the treetops. And it's like you're doing all kinds of like this weird ladder and this weird oh. tightrope. And you are in, you're, you're locked in, um, which that to me, I was like, oh, my gosh, I feel like, you know, I have there's Caribbean here like I have how can I be using carabiners um we I was with Eleanor Eliza and dad all of us up there I had to do it they had to do it I had to worry about dad I had to worry about Eliza of course El about Eleanor Eliza was skipping along hmm. but the funny thing was afterwards it was like we were so excited you know we were mm. like we 
mm. oh my gosh, like we didn't know what it was going to be, and we showed up, and then we did it, and it, you know, I mean, uh, I have to say, Eleanor and Dad and I got off halfway through because <laughs> we were like, we've had our fun, like this is enough. Yeah. But even still, and they said you don't have to necessarily succeed, mm. like you don't need to make it to the top of the mountain. But it was such a huge adventure and such a happy memory, um, even though at the time I have to say there were aspects of it that were really, truly scary. So, uh, but I don't, I wouldn't have done it if I'd known. <laughs> right, what you were getting into. Yeah, now how about you? Would you do it? Something, something I don't think scary? so, Gretch. I just do not have this gene. I hate being scared. Yeah. Like we went on a helicopter ride in Hawaii, which I yes. mentioned, to see yeah. the volcano. And I mean, I was glad we did it, but afterward, I didn't feel euphoric. I more felt like, well, I don't think riding a helicopter is such a good idea. Like, oh. I don't think I want to do that again. Interesting. What um, about something like a scary movie? Well, I hate scary movies. See, I get nightmares. So uh -huh. if I watch a scary movie, I might have a nightmare for like six weeks afterwards. Oh. So I hate being scared. And I'm very physically uh, tentative. So I don't know that I could do this one. Well, so maybe this is also a know yourself better question, which is this is a great option to think about if you're feeling in a funk, if you're feeling kind of low and blue, and you know that you do respond to this kind of thing well, maybe it's something that you can look for in the world. Like, is there an opportunity for me to do something like this? But if you're also like, you know what, I don't care what the research shows, this leaves me feeling depleted mm -hmm. and anxious and having nightmares for six weeks, maybe I need to try a different strategy of happiness boosting. You know, it's like there's no one size fits all. I can, I mean, literally, Going scuba diving in, you know, freezing cold water, oh. it's like, I don't see, I don't see the boost from happiness that would come for me. But it's, it's good to know that it's an option. It's a possibility. Well, here's my question. Like, if something is intimidating, does that count? Because I do like to challenge myself. For instance, public speaking yeah. is very scary to me, not physically scary, but emotionally scary. And I like to push myself to do that. Does that count or is that different? That's a great question. I'd be fascinated to know how the research backs up with that. If you, because you definitely do get a sense of like satisfaction and gratification and completion and I did it. So maybe it's a lesser version or I don't know, maybe because people really do respond to things like public speaking with fight or flight responses. I mean, the fact that it's not a bear charging at you doesn't mean that your body isn't just as scared. So I would think it would be the same. Yeah, on that point, Gretch, a friend of a friend of mine went, was going to pitch yeah. um, a show and <laughs> he was so terrified that he forced himself to trip and fall and sprain his ankle on the way into the meeting so that he wouldn't have to do the meeting. <laughs> oh my gosh. So people do have a fight or flight like, response. I got to get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, well, this is something for you to think about. Maybe this is something that would work for you. Uh, maybe you're going to pitch. Maybe you're going to go to an escape room. Maybe you're going to jump out of a plane. Um, let us know if doing something scary works for you. Let us know on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Drop us an email at podcast at GretchenRubin.com. Or as always, you can go to the show notes for this episode. That's happiercast.com slash 195 for everything related to this episode, including a link to the article I mentioned. Coming up, we've got a gift-giving happiness hack. But first, this break. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. 
On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. I now work with a team, and I am here to say that finding the right candidate and hiring the right candidate is one of the very biggest and most important challenges to anyone who has a small business. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Gretchen. That's linkedin.com slash Gretchen to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. There are some stories about our father's life that I truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, his retelling of the events always brings me joy. Just in time for Father's Day, I found the perfect gift that captures all his stories for our family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your father or father figure's life for years to come. And, Gretch, you get a book of all these stories. And I love just keeping a book on the coffee table and anyone from any generation can see a story from dad, like what was his favorite toy or what was his first job. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. Give all the fathers in your life a unique, heartfelt gift you'll all cherish for years. StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com happier. That's storyworth.com happier to save $10 on your first purchase. So, Elizabeth, this week we have a happiness hack related to picking out gifts for people because we're entering into the holiday season and this is a challenge for all of us every year, which is you want to buy like a great gift for the people on your list, but sometimes it's hard to come up with those ideas. And uh, Miriam had a great suggestion. Yeah, she says, each year, instead of writing a wish list, I have my kids write a likes list. They have to list 25 things they love right now. It can be anything, astronomy, gummy bears, travel, weird food, photography, (laughs) anything. We then distribute the list to their relatives to give a little guidance for gift purchasing during the holiday season. We love this for a bunch of reasons. First, it helps us to avoid focusing too much on consumerism during the holidays while still giving their faraway grandparents, aunts, and uncles a clue about what interests the kids have right now. Even better, it's given us a really cool look at how the kids have grown over the years. We save the lists and compare them. It's fun to see what they liked at eight years old versus 12 years old. So this is a great idea. And so many things that are good. First of all, it is, it's more about gratitude and appreciation than like, I want, I want, I want, gimme. Mm -hmm. And then also it is hard to keep up children. I mean, I remember Jack used to be obsessed with trains and he was really into Mm -hmm. dinosaurs and now he's really into Star Wars. But like, there's like so many varieties of Star Wars, I don't even know. And so having something like this is great for people who who need a little, need some guidance. Yeah, it's and I like the idea that it's not just like listing the items, which is where we go a lot of the time. It's yes. just like taking a picture. Okay, he wants this Nerf gun. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is, it, it still gives the people who are getting gifts a little bit of freedom and yes. thought into buying the gift, which I think a lot of people like. They don't want to just be told what to buy. Well, and it also reminds me, so each year when we go to Christmas at our parents in Kansas City, 
my mother has these books and both kids are, and Jack too when he's there he's there every other year write their memories of like what happened mm, at Christmas yeah. over Christmas holidays and it's so fun to go back in previous years and it's like every year we went to Winston's we made gingerbread cookies you know it never changes yeah. <laughs> but it'd be so fun you could just print out the list stick it in and then it'd be this wonderful keepsake that you yeah. you know you I think ah, what a brilliant idea a, a yes. likes list I even like that phrase a likes list yes so thank you Miriam that is a great hack coming into the holiday season. Yes, and if you think of picking out gifts as a little bit of a happiness stumbling block, now we have another happiness stumbling block mm-hmm. to discuss. And this is related to cell phone etiquette. Mm. So, Elizabeth, I was thinking as I was walking down the street about how cell phones, smartphones, it's not clear to everyone what's polite and what's not because it's still sort of a new technology and people disagree about what's polite. So I came up with a list of questions, and I want to ask you what you think is the right way to behave in these situations, because I do think you're naturally much more considerate than I am. So I would trust Mm -hmm. your impulses more than mine. I will say, I just have to say, I'm doing this through a lens of L.A., and I think, you know, we are cell phone culture here. So Okay. That's right. There could be regional differences. Very true. there absolutely could be. Okay. Here's the one that inspired me to start thinking about this, Elizabeth. I was walking down the street listening to a podcast with my AirPods in. I ran into somebody that I knew. I stopped the podcast, of course. Is it permissible for me to leave the AirPods in my ear while I talk? Mm, I think it's good to take out one AirPod to show that they have your attention. Okay. I think one is enough. You can leave one in and take one out, and then it's easy to put that back in when you're done talking. Taking two out can be a little cumbersome. Yes. Okay, so taking out one, good compromise there. Okay. Now, related question. I'm walking into the drugstore, and I'm listening to a podcast with my AirPods in. Is it permissible to leave my AirPods in while I am paying? I'm not like I'm at the drugstore. It's not like I'm not talking to the clerk. I mean, I would say like, thank you or whatever. But is it permissible to leave the AirPods in? I think it is permissible as long as you give them a nice smile. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So you've got to engage and recognize sort of their humanity, but you can leave the AirPods in. Okay. Okay. This happened to Eleanor when she was walking our dog Barnaby. Okay. This is this is tricky. You're walking along. You're listening to a podcast. You've got your AirPods in. Your dog is greeting another dog and like they're Mm. like wagging their tails and the other owner is just like standing there and you're standing there and doesn't this person does not seem to want to engage. Can you continue to listen to your podcast? If they don't want to engage, I say yes. If they do Uh, want to engage, if they say anything, then I think it's another take one one AirPod out. Okay, because it's sort of like our dogs are doing this, but we're just like, we're in another zone or like we're going to engage. Because dog owners are very different about that, I have noticed, now that I have a dog. Okay, now, we have a split circuit on this in my, my household. Everybody agrees that if you're having dinner and you're having pleasant conversation, you should not be on your phone. Yes. However, what if you're having pleasant conversation and somebody wants to look up something related to the conversation? Like, oh, we love the movie Shrek. What year did that movie come out? Let me look on my phone. Is that a permissible use of a phone? Or no, don't use a cell phone if you're having a conversation with people over a meal. I'd say 100% permissible. And why is that? Why is that Because it's continuing the shared conversation. So it's not taking away from the conversation. It's enhancing the conversation. I mean... We live in, an, a, in a world with cell phones, so I think this artificial not having your cell phone during dinner, you know, doesn't 
makes sense right, if okay. you're using it to further the conversation. Right. But if you do that, then you're not supposed to start like checking your feeds yes. or yeah, right, yes. which is the temptation sometimes. Okay. Now, do you have this problem? This is a major etiquette problem that I face, which is somebody is like, oh, let me show you uh, this new bookcase that I'm thinking about buying. And they hand me their phone or, or wouldn't do it probably if it's a one-off thing. But sometimes if it's like, oh, let me show you, oh, this picture of uh, this vacation we went on, I just automatically start scrolling through, which is super rude. So this yes, is just like, remind rude. me, don't do that. You're only, you, you can't start poking around in other people's phones. Yes, you're right. That is rude. Do not it, but, do that. I have never I, I, done that one time. You never have? Never. because you're naturally more, more mannered than I'm. But I think it's just because I'm interested and I'm like, oh, I want to see more. I want to see more. It's like, no, don't do that. Okay. What about this? What do you do if you're talking to somebody and either your phone makes a notification noise or you're like me and your Apple watch vibrates or whatever kind of smart watch you have vibrates and you have this uncontrollable desire to see what it was. What do you do? Now, this is an area where I feel like in Los Angeles, we've all just accepted that people look at notifications. Okay. Um, now, is it more polite to have your notifications have a sound then so that people understand I'm not just like randomly looking at my phone, but I got a notification because it can also vibrate. Well, that's a tough one because I went through a period of time right when uh, the iWatches started where people would always be glancing at their watch during a meeting. And I was like, God, am I that boring? They're just <laughs> dying for this meeting to be over. Like, I was really having a complex. Then I realized, oh, they're looking at notifications. And you don't yeah. sense at all that a notification yes. has come through. Yes. So I'm sort of split on that. If you're getting notification after notification, which some people do, you don't want ding, 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 yeah. ding. But yeah. if it's if it doesn't happen that often, then I would say leave the sound on. Right. So that people know like, oh, something's yes. come in. It's yes. tricky. I think that is something where you kind of have to figure it out for yourself. Um, one thing I would also point out is like people not understanding that other people aren't being as rude as you think is a lot of people now I've noticed have started taking notes on their phone rather than yes. taking notes. So like I was at a school function. I may have mentioned this because it was very striking to me. A school function and somebody said about somebody else like, oh, she was so rude the whole time. She was just like on her phone instead of listening to the lecturer. And I was like, no, no, no. I know her. And she was taking notes on her phone because she wanted mm -hmm. to send them to her husband. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, you thought she was being inattentive. She was actually frantically writing down everything the person said. Mm, um, yeah. So just be aware that sometimes when people are using their phone, it might be like just a form of note taking or they're using it in some way. It's not that they're not paying attention. Of course, if you're the person giving the talk, it could be very, you know, you're wondering um, what they're doing right. on their phones. But uh, yeah. OK, here's the last thing. If you are on like a train, let's say, and your phone rings and it's not necessarily the quiet car, but it's a situation where it just feels like not a place where you should be on your phone. Is it OK if you answer, if you say something like, hey, I'm on the train, I can't talk, you know, what is it? And to kind of indicate to the people in earshot that you're aware that you're kind of not being so polite, but that there's a possibility that there's an emergency, so you're just checking in. Does that? Is yes. That a, yeah, I think right? that's fine, absolutely. Okay. Yes. All right, well, that, those are my questions. That's my, these are my edicts. I have no idea if others agree. <laughs> Well, we'll hear from listeners. I mean, I think the bottom line of what you said is like, be considerate for another person. 
like for goodness sake just like don't be a jerk <laughs> but, yeah but, but at the same time but at the same time we all have to realize this is the world we live in so it's yeah. like artificially keeping cell phones out of it you know doesn't and airpods and things doesn't make sense either yeah well like my mother-in-law is really annoyed when people talk on the phone in public and i'm just like mm -hmm. that ship sailed yeah, you know, exactly. Yeah, like that's you're you can't be annoyed by that. Like we've all decided as a culture that that is acceptable manners. But I think other yes. things are less subtle. Okay. Well, if yes. anybody violently agrees or disagrees with Elizabeth, let us know. But I think that's good. That's very helpful for me, Elizabeth, to hear okay. what your instincts are. Okay. Well, I will monitor you next time I see you. See how you're doing. <laughs> as I walk around with my AirPods in all the time. Yeah. And now for a listener question. As always, you can leave a voicemail question at 774-277-9336. That's 77-HAPPY-336. Or leave us a voice memo or email us at podcast at GretchenRubin.com. Yeah, and Gretchen, as we enter the holiday season, we've got a question that's very timely about celebrating holidays with family. It comes from Erin. She says, my husband and I are originally from Michigan and all of our family still lives there. Both of our parents are remarried, so we have four houses to go to during the holidays. We wow. usually go to Michigan for Thanksgiving and make the rounds to see everyone. However, it really takes the fun out of the holidays when we're rushing around all day. We also have a four-month-old son and want to start some of our own traditions. Do you have any advice on staying happy and relaxed during the holiday madness? I am an obliger and definitely a people pleaser, so meeting everyone's expectations during the holiday really stresses me out. Oh, gosh, so many people face this exact dilemma. Yeah, it's tough. But I think, Aaron, I think the most important thing is what Aaron has already done, which is to step back and say, Let's have a plan. Let's not just react to what other people suggest or do what we've always done. Um, having a new baby is a great clean slate to say, okay, going forward, how do we want to balance out everything that we want to get out of this holiday season and really think about what you could do? Yeah, Gretchen, in my life, Adam and I go back and forth between our family and his family every year for Thanksgiving and Christmas, and that works for us. But once we're at the place, we're at the place. We don't have to rush off anywhere. So I think right. it's much simpler. I mean, the idea of having to visit four families, and it sounds yeah. like it's not even during one trip, it's on that day. Yeah, That really would suck the fun out of Thanksgiving. Um, now, one thing they could do, especially with having a four-month-old who I'm sure is on a pretty strict nap schedule, is say, we're going to be at this house. Please do come visit us and make other people come to you. Yes. Now, one thing she doesn't say is how well does everybody get along? Right. Um, because it might be that some people are like, that person will never darken my door again. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I mean? True. Um, but if you could, that would be great because then you get the fun of seeing everybody, but then you're not moving because a lot of it is just the moving. See, here's the thing for her is that on the one hand, it's really hard to like race around. But on the other hand, it's really efficient because mm. she is getting to check in with every all four households at least once a year. And it seems like if you started doing kind of rotations or something, it could get very complicated and less efficient. That's um, true. Yeah. Now, because I remember with mom and dad, when I was little, you weren't born yet, um, but I remember them talking about how they decided at a, they'd always gone home to North Platte, where both of them came from for Christmas. And then they decided once I arrived 
that they wanted their own house, their own traditions, their own Christmas tree. That's where Santa was going to come, all that. And so they said, you're welcome to come if you want, mm. but we're going to do it at our house. And in that case, it worked fine. And also, like one set of gr- our grandparents often drove Grandma Craft with them because it was just mm-hmm. easier. They all came together. But here, it's not like they could stay home for Thanksgiving and say, anybody come, because that's a lot of people. Right. Maybe right. they could, but maybe they couldn't because that's it's not just a couple people. It's many people. Yeah. You know, it's hard in situations where parents are divorced because I feel like all this um, burden goes on the child to make it work. And I kind of think you you can't worry about feeling guilty because, I mean, the parents sort of put you in this situation to have all these different houses to visit. So to me, it's like if you want to visit people, then you should. But if you don't want to do that, you shouldn't feel the pressure. But that's hard because you do feel like... I don't know. Yeah, I can it's see all it, easier feel, said than done. Easier, easier said, said than done. Than done. Um, well, and the fact is, and it's interesting to note, like one of the things that research shows is that having traditions does boost people's happiness. It, it gives, it, especially children, it gives them a feeling of security. They really like the fact that, I mean, as anybody who's ever been around children knows, like they tend to like the fact that certain things always unfold the same way. Um one thing that's good is to remember is that it's just one day mm-hmm. um, and so not to get over focused because maybe you're not going to see this household on Thanksgiving. Maybe you'll see them at a different kind of the day and it's it doesn't have to be Thanksgiving. Um, yeah. I mean, the no- question is, instead of saying we're going to do this on Thanksgiving, can you say, OK, we're spending Thanksgiving at household A, but the day after Thanksgiving we will come to household B for leftovers? Yeah. You know, and make yeah. and then you could switch every year whose house you're actually at on Thanksgiving or just decide, yeah. hey, I'm going to be at my mom's house every year for Thanksgiving. The day after we'll go here on Saturday. We'll, you know, yeah. go out for Chinese food with this group. You know what I mean? And so make new traditions where you're not rushed. I think it's the rushing around yeah. during that day yeah. where you feel like you never settle into the holiday. Yeah, especially with a little kid. Well, and it's always good as an obliger to remember that sometimes you can tell yourself, if I say yes to some people, I have to say no to others. Because sometimes for an obliger, they want to say yes to everyone. And just remind yourself that you're saying no to somebody. And maybe that's you, maybe that's your mm-hmm. your new baby. But you, you want to think about who do you want to say yes to and what are your values there? It's complicated. It's a complicated situation. I would just say it's your Thanksgiving too. So yes. you should enjoy it. Like, you shouldn't just be doing things for other people. That's not right. And I don't think that's a good thing to show your baby. That's right. So good luck, Aaron. Let us know what system you land on. That is a dicey situation. (laughs) Speaking of holidays, coming up, Gretchen gives herself a holiday-related demerit. But first, this break. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. 
Get IXL now, and listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey, <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Okay, Gretch, it's time for demerits and gold stars, and you are up with a happiness demerit. Okay, so you know how, like in the happiness project, or maybe it was happier at home. I don't remember. In one of those books, I talked about, oh, have a holiday breakfast. And I'm, I'm a big fan of the holiday breakfast. It's small. It's manageable. It's super fun. You take a picture. It starts the day out in this great way. Okay, Halloween came this year, and I didn't do a, ho- a holiday breakfast mm. for Halloween. And I, it, so, it was so far out of my mind that I didn't even notice that I had forgotten for like three days until I happened to open a cabinet. Aww. And then I saw, like, my eye fell on, like, our special Halloween plates. I was like... Oh my goodness. I completely forgot about the holiday breakfast. Like, what a ball drop. Did Eleanor say anything? She didn't notice either? She didn't notice either. <laughs> but she would have noticed if I'd done the holiday breakfast, because usually it's like, I have these orange placemats. I have these cool black yeah. plates that have sort of like skeleton monsters. I dyed the, some peanut butter uh-huh. black so that she has like black peanut butter on her peanut butter and toast, which is what she has for breakfast often. It's always so fun. Oh, I have a candle shaped like a pumpkin. Mm. I didn't, I'm like, I just... Ah, you're too busy. So annoyed with myself. Gretch, I have to tell you, we did not even get a pumpkin, which, I mean, I have an eight-year-old child, and we did not (laughs) go to a pumpkin patch or get a pumpkin. And I apologize. I said, Jack, I'm so sorry we didn't get a pumpkin. And he said, well, that's all right. We're really going to go all the way for Christmas. So... Oh, good. Is that the spirit? So... Yeah, there you go. I'm getting lights this year, so you'll hear about that. Finally getting Christmas lights put up. I cannot wait. You've had Christmas lights before. Yes, but it fell apart. So I've got a new system in place. It's going to be great. Okay, we will stay tuned for that. Now, what? So you're going to get an anticipatory gold star for the amazing light show that you're going to have for Christmas. (laughs) What's your other gold star for this week? Okay, well, I have to give a gold star to Adam and a bunch of parents from the school we go to who did the Spartan race. Um, And if you don't know what a Spartan race is, it's like a three to five mile course with has 30 obstacles you have to do. And these are really hard obstacles like climbing ropes and carrying 60 pound buckets up a hill and climbing over walls and this crazy stuff. And if you can't do an obstacle, you're supposed to do 30 burpees, which is when you like you know, yeah. hop on the ground and do a push up and jump up. And those are very hard in and of themselves. Yes, they are. And a bunch of parents did it. And Adam uh, did it as well. And he made great time. He did it in, I think, an hour and a half, which oh was my gosh. Oh really my gosh. fast. Really? Um, he pushed himself <laughs> to the brink. I was like, you know, terrified he was going <laughs> to drop. Um, and Jack and I went and we tried to cheer him on whenever we could see him, which was only, you know, like a couple of times throughout the race. Uh, but anyway, he just went so far out of his comfort zone, as did the rest of these parents. I mean, these are not people who I don't think anyone had ever done a Spartan race before. Wow. And they went, they had T-shirts 
And they just had a great attitude. I mean, I just couldn't partake. Everyone was like, Liz, you should do it. You should do it. Like I said, I don't want to be scared. I was like, no, I'm not doing the Spartan race. Well, do you think doing something scary like that, did Adam feel like less stressed and less tired and kind of euphoric at the end? I mean, maybe not um, right at the very yes, end, but, but like yes. after he'd had a little recovery. Yes, yes, he did. I think it's had a great impact on him. I think he feels great that he did it. I yeah. think it did boost his confidence. And just stepping outside of a comfort zone is so powerful. It is. So I'm very proud of all of them. I give them all a big gold star, but I can't say, oh, I'm going to do it next year because let's face it, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was really hard. I mean, Adam was like in shell shocked afterwards. He was just like, oh. <laughs> but anyway, he did it and we're proud of him. Excellent. And that is it for this episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home, like Adam. Do something scary. Let us know if you tried it and if it worked for you. Thank you to our producer, Cameron Drews. Also, thanks to Kristen Meinzer and Andy Bowers of Panoply. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Twitter at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Elizabeth Craft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. And if you like this show, you know what I'm going to say. Please be sure to tell a friend. Show them how to subscribe to a podcast if they don't know how. And subscribe to us yourself in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcasting app. The resources for this week. You can subscribe for email updates, and then you'll get uh, every time I have a new blog post. Like, I have a lot of interviews with authors, and every month I share a list of every book I read that month. Um, and then I write all kinds of blog posts about various sort of adventures and happiness and good habits. Um, if you've already subscribed to my main monthly newsletter, you can update your subscription preferences at GretchenRubin.com slash hashtag newsletter. Yes, that's very weird. It's dot com slash hashtag newsletter. Um, and that's where you can pick and choose among all my newsletters, my moment of happiness newsletter, whatever you want. Um, and one of the things that also that you can ask for at GretchenRubin.com slash resources, no hashtag there, confusingly, is you can get a sample chapter from the Happiness Project. So if you've been hearing me talk about the 10th anniversary edition, or you're wondering whether it would make a good gift for somebody and you wanted to sort of check it out, uh, you can get a sample chapter there so you can see if it's what you want. Um, and speaking of the Happiness Project, I have a new course that's starting in January. This is something brand new. People have been asking me to do something like this for years. It's finally just about ready. It's called the Happiness Project Experience. Um, it's going to be a video course that will take you through your own happiness project, give you ideas, hold you accountable. Obligers, I know you need it. Um, mm -hmm. You can sign up for the waitlist at courses.gretchenrubin.com slash happiness. And as always, all the stuff will be in the show notes. So stay tuned for a flash sale for that in December. Um, it's all going to start in January. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and Upward. <laughs>